Our scripture this morning is from Proverbs 1, verses uh, 1 to 9, or sorry, 1 to 7. Um, it's page 510 of your pew Bible. Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Wendy and I stepped out from the dim underground of the transit train station into broad daylight, and Wendy started to cry. (laughs) And crying for real, not because it had been a particularly bad metro train journey, but because she was moved, because there in front of us, filling our entire view, was the Colosseum. We were in Rome on vacation, and this was our first glimpse of ancient Rome. And it was incredible. It was so incredible it could move you to tears. And the next thing we saw were the crowds. We saw people speaking different languages. We saw people taking selfies. We saw people buying. We saw people selling. We saw locals. We saw foreigners. We saw people excited, and we saw people exhausted. And it was incredible. And as we walked on, we soon learned something, that Rome has two types of people who come to visit. There's the willing to wing, there's the willing to wing it visitor, and there's the prepared with ticket in hand visitor. And thanks to Wendy, we were the latter. Due to Wendy's foresight, we had booked the date and time when we were going to visit this wonderful historic site of the Colosseum. And so we lined up, we queued up, and we went in and we were blown away. However, we saw some other people who turned up and hoped to hand over whatever the entrance fee was and just walk into the Colosseum. But that's not how Rome works, because each day there's a certain number of people who can go into the Colosseum, no more. And if you don't have a ticket that you've already bought, then it's very unlikely that you are getting in on the day that you want to, not without a grueling, hours-long wait under the Italian sun. These folks weren't prepared. They weren't wise. Now, it's that season of the year where we start to get excited and we start to feel those nice, warm summer feelings in our belly, And we're planning our first trip over to the cottage or we're counting down the days till the end of school or we're imagining how long or how it will feel for us to get away for a legitimate long weekend. We're imagining in our mind what camp will look like, what friends we will make. And while we're practically and physically preparing for our summer, we can easily let the spiritual side of things slide. 
We can be so focused on our vacation or that place next to the lake that we forget that we equally need to be preparing for our summer. We are physically preparing for summer, but spiritually we're planning just to wing it and hope we have enough money for that entrance fee on the day. And so it's one thing to turn up at the Colosseum and to hope for the best, but it's another thing to turn up at life and just wing it, hoping that somehow everything's going to turn out okay and in your, your favor. And that's why we're, we're taking a few weeks to look, look at the book of Proverbs, because the book of Proverbs is an uber practical, super helpful guide how to spiritually succeed at life. And I hope that as we track our way through this book, that our pumps will be primed and our focus will be where it has to be, which is on Jesus Christ. In fact, even to understand the book, we need to start with Jesus. You see, the book of Proverbs, even though it's in the Old Testament and it doesn't feature Jesus' name at all, it predates him by a long ways, it's actually all about him. And it's all about Jesus because it's all about wisdom. And wisdom starts with Jesus. Listen to this verse. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 28. It says, God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things, and the things that are not, this was his plan all along, to nullify the things that are, why? So that no one may boast before him. And then listen to this. It is because of him, being God, that you are in Christ Jesus, who, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. You see, with God, we always start from a place of lack. We always start with a negative. We always start in this place where in and of ourselves, we are not sufficient. We are not enough. We do not have what it takes. We do not have what we need. Because if we had everything that we needed, then we wouldn't need a rescuer, right? We wouldn't need a savior. And that's what the gospel is all about, is God reaching out to needy humans with a complete solution, with a remedy to our greatest insurmountable problem, which is sin. He says, I will fix it. I have fixed it through my son. And life is about realizing that we have a need. And in Jesus, what the Bible tells us is that God meets that need. But it's not just a one-time deal. It's not about letting him take care of our sin problem and then telling him, you know what, Jesus, it's okay. I've got it from here. Like Nathan reminded us last week, our life in Christ is about us coming to him constantly every day with an, with an empty cup. And we come up to this extravagant, kind, wonderfully generous God and we say to him, would you keep it coming, God? Would you keep it coming? 
Would you fill me, Lord? Would you fill me? Keep it coming. You see, God loves that moment when we realize our need or our lack, when we realize that we're not up to the task, when we, 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 when we realize that we're not sufficient, because it's only at that moment that we are prepared and ready to encounter his crazy, overwhelming, exuberant heart, his wonderful generosity. And that's why verse 30 of, of this First Corinthians passage says this, it is because of him, God, that you are in Christ Jesus. We owe him everything. We have no boast whatsoever. And then it goes on to say that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. Which is why I say that if we're going to engage with the book of Proverbs, we need to start with Jesus Christ. Because the book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom. It's a library of wisdom. And here we learn in 1 Corinthians 1.30 that wisdom is not a concept. It's not an ideal. Wisdom is something that Jesus actually puts into our checking account It's a gift from Jesus and only Jesus. But it's more than that still because wisdom is Jesus. Jesus has become for us wisdom from God. Jesus is our wisdom. That's why we can say that wisdom is walking with Jesus. That very wisdom that created the universe and came up with this wonderful plan of salvation that made up the laws of gravity and pulled E equals MC squared out of his back pocket, that same God who did all of that is available to us, and his name is Jesus. And so wisdom is not found in following the right feed on Twitter. It's not found in listening to the latest maybe TED talk or something like this. Wisdom is not found in practicing mindfulness. Now, some of these may have aspects of wisdom in them, but at best, they are just a glimpse of wisdom because true and full wisdom is not a thing for us to grasp. It's a person for us to know. And it's this Jesus who wrote the book of Proverbs through through the pen of Solomon and others. Okay, Proverbs is about the life of the kingdom that God always meant for humankind that we would live. When our vertical relationship with God is right through Jesus, we can be right with others and the world around us. That's what Jonathan Aiken says. So do you want to become wise at life? Do you want to become skilled at living? Do you want to somehow learn to not walk down those needless cul-de-sacs of relational tensions that seem to litter your landscape like an unexploded minefield. A life where you're so afraid to take a step because you're afraid of screwing up again. If so, then I would encourage you you to pay attention over the next, next couple of months. Let Jesus, through the book of Proverbs, Serve as, as the pilot of your life. Stop trying to, to, to work out life by yourself. Stop treating you know, the Bible like it's um, floss. 
You know, it's generally a good idea, but if you miss a couple of days, it's not going to kill you. Okay? So stop sidelining God's words and start mainlining it. Stop obsessing over your Instagram feed or social media memes and instead focus your heart and mind on memes that matter, the book of Proverbs. Now, why do I call it this, memes that matter? Well, Merriam-Webster says that a meme is an idea, a behavior, a style, or a usage that spreads from person to person within a culture. And so if you, if you were to ask any of the teens here, they would understand that a meme is something which is like a joke or a saying that, that turns into something viral because it's so relatable to life. You know, it's funny, everyone gets the joke, they send it on to their friend, right? That's how memes work. And that's what the book of Proverbs is. It's a collection of memes, memorable sayings that are relatable to your life. And my hope is that they will become really viral in this church, that they will spread. So let's turn to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1. If you don't have the Bible open, I would encourage you to because I'd rather you read the word of God than listen to what I have to say. So over these next few weeks, we will be working our way through the book of Proverbs. We'll be... um, learning at how to grow our skill for living by looking at specific themes, okay? Things like pride, humility, work, greed, money, marriage, children, friends, sex, neighbors, honesty, and justice. These are some of the different things which we will be looking at over the next week. And these verses, chapter 1, verse 1 through 7, are the introduction yeah, to the book of Proverbs. Now, it was written mostly by this guy called Solomon, who was, who was the son of, of, son of King David. Now, there are a few other authors in this book, like a guy called Agur and a guy called King Lemuel, but Solomon is the main guy. He's the original wise guy, you might say. And 1 Kings chapter 4 tells us that God gave Solomon... Uh, wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. This was a gift that he got from God himself because Solomon is, is the king who famously asked God for wisdom in Second Chronicles chapter 1. He said, he said, God, would you give me wisdom and knowledge so that I may lead this people for who is able to govern this great people of yours. And what Solomon is saying here, and maybe you can relate in your work situation, in your home situation, is that without your wisdom, God, I will fail at life, and I will fail at home, and I will fail at my job. God, I need your help. Would you give me wisdom? Would you give me your mind? So it's a bold prayer, it's a bold request, and God loves these prayers, he loves these requests, because John chapter, 1 John chapter 1, uh, 1 John 5 verse 14 tells us this, that if we ask anything according to his will, that he hears us. And Solomon shows us that by asking God for wisdom, we are asking God a question that is according to his will, and 1 John 5 tells us that, If we ask him anything according to his will, we will get it. It's a certainty. It's a promise. And so what 
what that means is that if we pray a prayer that is, is a, as bold as Solomon's, that God will answer it, that he will hear us. But what does this wisdom look like? Well, this wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then it's peace-loving, it's considerate, it's submissive, it's full of mercy and good fruit, it's impartial, and it's, it is sincere. James 1 verse 17 the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. I wonder how much of your life looks like that at the moment. And I wonder how hungry you are for that sort of a life, for the James 1.17 life. Would you like to inject these principles and this kind of a mindset into your work into your home life, into your marriage life, into your single life? Would you like to live with the mind of Christ? Because God says it's yours, ready for the taking, and Solomon is our proof. And if you're still maybe doubting that God wants you to experience the joy and the fullness of wisdom that flows from Jesus himself, then listen to James 1 verse 16, where it says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So regardless of what you are experiencing now, okay, your life now, that is not how it has to be forever and ever. What you're experiencing now is not the be-all and end-all of your life. Because you can know this life that is grounded and settled in the wisdom of God himself through Jesus Christ. It's a gift. This is what sanctification means. This is what being Christ-like means. It means channeling the wisdom of Jesus himself. Amen? So, Proverbs 1, 1 verse through 7. Now, the first thing that we find out here is that wisdom is what we learn from, uh, from our passage today, is that wisdom that we need is not found in here. You, you don't dig deep and hope that you, that you find it. Okay, wisdom is not part of your natural landscape. We have to import it from outside. And just like Canada is the source of maple syrup, and the rest of the world has to import it in order to enjoy it. I think Wendy talked about this recently. So God is our source of wisdom, and we have to give him the rights to export it from him so that we can import it into our lives. Just look at the words and the language that's used in our passage today. It says in verse 2 that we gain wisdom. It's not something that we have. It says in verse 3 that we receive instruction. It's not something that we have. Verse 4 says that it's a gift. It's not something that we have naturally. Verse 5 says that we, we actually get it extra to our lives. And verse 5 tells us that it's something that we have to get so we all start with this place of need. We don't have wisdom. We need it. And so we come to God and say, God, would you give me wisdom? The second thing that we find out is that wisdom is for everyone. As I look at you this morning, wisdom is for you. Say, wisdom is for me. Wisdom is for me. Wisdom is for me. That's awesome. 
there is no one here who does not need wisdom. And there is no one here who is exempt from getting hold of wisdom. It's available to everyone. That's why we have to get out of our minds this this. This image that wisdom is just for the serene, gray-haired saints or the studious type sat in their ivory tower looking at scrolls or something, right? That's not who wisdom is for. Wisdom is for the extrovert and the introvert. Wisdom is for the thrill seeker and the bookworm. Wisdom is for the blue-collar worker and the office type. Wisdom is for the farmer and the entrepreneur. Because what we read in verse 4 is this. It says that uh, forgiving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. And so we understand this, that the young and the simple need wisdom. And we can all think of those young and simple people in our lives who we wish had a bit more wisdom than they do right now. But then it goes on in verse 5, it says, let the wise listen and add, add on to their learning. And so if you are wise, you need wisdom. If you are young and simple, you need wisdom. And so we all need to outsource our wisdom. Remember that we cannot get it internally. We all lack it and Jesus has it on tap. So wisdom is from outside and wisdom is for everyone. And we can either go through life winging it and hoping that our second-rate Aunt Jemima table wisdom is enough. If so, you will be disappointed every time. Or we can be prepared, we can be ready, and we can acknowledge our need of God's first-rate, tapped and boiled maple wisdom, and we can ask him to import it into our lives. We can turn to Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God, 1 Corinthians 1.30. Now, there are many times in my life where I've not shown wisdom because I didn't have it. And some of you have been on the receiving end of that. And, and I chose to wing life on my own, hoping for the best, and it was horrendous. And I know the times that when I've hurt Wendy or the girls or my parents or my siblings, those have been linked very strongly to my lack of wisdom. And I know that the times when I've said hurtful things to my brothers and sisters in Christ have been because of a lack of wisdom. Those moments when I fail to represent Jesus to a watching world or when I've fallen in sin are connected to a lack of wisdom. You see, I have an anger that flares up. I need wisdom. Without wisdom, I can turn sulky and sullen. And I hate it. And I know those times when I think, I've got it. I can handle it. It'll be okay. And those are the times when I crash and I burn and I royally embarrass myself. I need wisdom. I need Jesus. We don't view the way, or we don't view the world the way it really is. So we make wrong decisions that go against the grain of how the world really is. However, if we will observe the world through the lens that God has given in fear of him, we can start to perceive how things really are. And once we start living according to that pattern, we will walk in wisdom. So says Jonathan Aiken. 
You know, that's crazy, right? Is that you can be living life not as it really is. It's only when we get that lens and look at it through God's wisdom that we go, ah, now I understand. So we all need wisdom. We all need to learn this skill of living. And wisdom, as I've already said, is walking with Jesus Christ. And so before we move ahead with this series, I need to ask you a simple question, but it's an important one. Are you in Christ? Because if you're not, then the possibility and likelihood of you living out the kind of life that we're going to be reading out in the book of Proverbs is moot. It is dead in the water. It won't happen. This is what Proverbs 1 verse 7 says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Wisdom starts with Jesus and wisdom starts with, with fear. Now, I know that this sounds rather troubling, but fear is simply recognizing the, the otherness of God. We need to recognize that God is not like us, even as we long to be like him. You see, there's an unhealthy fear. There's the fear of the bully. There's the fear of the raised fist. But this is not the fear that we're reading about here. Because it says in Psalm 22, you who fear the Lord, praise him. It says in Proverbs 19 that the fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content, untouched by trouble. The fear of the Lord leads, leads to life and a restful heart. And then Proverbs 16 says this, through the fear of the Lord, sin is avoided. And so the fear of the Lord simply means that recognizing that God is above and that he's beyond, that he's not like us. It's the respect and the reverence of a subject in front of of the King of Kings. It's that moment when you walk out of the metro station and you see the wonderful Colosseum and you realize that no amount of pictures, of brochures, of internet travel sites can prepare you for that moment when you see it for yourself. This is biblical fear. It's like what Mr. Beaver says to Susan about Aslan the lion. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he is good. He's the king, I tell you. Fearing God is when knowledge starts. And starting with a good, um, healthy fear of God means that we will avoid falling into one of the easiest holes when reading the book of Proverbs, which is simply treating it as a self-help book. You see, if we're not careful, um, reading Proverbs can lead to, to a change in our behavior and nothing else. We can be fooled that to, to think that if we apply these principles found in it, that we will somehow improve our lot in life. And so we treat the book of Proverbs like a self-help book and Solomon kind of like some sort of a guru. And uh, we hope that it will actually help us become the kind of parents we pretend we are on Instagram. But not without Jesus. Like I said in the beginning, it all begins in Jesus. Outside of Jesus, this book is nothing more than a nice little collection of cute sayings that we could find on the shelves of chapters or indigo. It may fool us into thinking that we're changing, but we're not really, because we first need to be transformed by God himself. And after being transformed, then Proverbs shows us how to live out this transformed life. 
To truly live out the book of Proverbs, we need the jet engine of the Holy Spirit firing up inside of us. We need Jesus. Remember 1 Corinthians 1.30. It's because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. It all starts with Jesus. And so this week, my encouragement to you is not to wing life. Instead, seek to fear God. Seek to submit Jesus and start seeking wisdom from that place. Wisdom is walking with Jesus. So start praying for it. Make it your prayer. And you can make this prayer, you can pray this prayer with complete confidence because God's promise to you in James chapter 1 verse 5 is this. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. Let me say that again. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all, that includes you, without finding fault. So whatever's happened in the past, it doesn't matter. Ask for wisdom and God promises that it will be given to you. James chapter one, verse five. Amen. Amen.